This morning we are continuing on with our series in Romans, uh, having faith in a pandemic, a faith that is living, holy, and pleasing to God. Last week we listened as Paul reminded us to love one another, especially in light of Christ's return. That the nearer Jesus, his return comes, the more we should love and care for people. This week, Paul is, gets into the specifics of what that might look like and how we love one another uh, by accepting and building each other up. Right now, there's lots of tensions in the world. There's political tension. There's pandemic tension. There's economic tension. How do we, as a church, handle that tension? How do we um, relate to each other as the body of Christ? Important questions. These are important questions, but let us see what the Word of God says. If you want to open up your Bibles to Luke, or sorry, Luke, to Romans chapter 14, uh, verse 1, we're going to start there. Uh, just to give you an idea, this is, we're going through the whole chapter this morning quite quickly, um, but I'm going to be distilling out the main points, and so you guys will be able to see that. Okay? So here we go. Uh, it begins like this. Paul says, Accept him or her whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. Now, uh, as far as scholars can tell, as you read Romans, there were probably two groups in the church in Rome. There were uh, Jewish believers, people who were born and raised Jew, uh, Jewish and who um, learned Jewish ways, Jewish customs. They, eat, they ate kosher food, so they had a very specific diet. They celebrated certain Jewish holidays, and they, they grew up doing this, and so it was deeply ingrained in their lives. And so it's understandable for them to want to keep doing these things. And in this passage, it's somewhere it talks about eating only vegetables. And, they, and scholars think that probably what was happening is that uh, Jewish believers were vegetarian, not because of health reasons, but rather because of religious reasons. That in the ancient world, meat uh, in the marketplace was very often had been through a temple already. So um, you would bring an animal in, they would sacrifice it to a particular god in a temple, and then they would, they would basically butcher it and then sell the meat out of the back of the temple, or they would sell it almost like wholesale to markets. And so there was a, a real concern that much of the meat in a community would have been idol meat, meat that had been formerly devoted to a, to a false god. And so if you were Jewish, you didn't want to eat that because that was idolatry. And so they just thought, you know, better to be safe than sorry, we'll be a vegetarian. Well, that's one part of this church, probably the minority group of this Roman church. The majority of the church were probably Gentiles, um, people who weren't Jewish, um, Greeks and Jews, or sorry, Greeks and Romans who had become Christians. And they were new to this faith, and they had come to faith realizing that they were saved by Jesus through his grace, through his death and resurrection, not by the food that they ate or the days that they celebrated. And so they are feeling no issue at all eating this meat, even though there's a chance that it had gone through a temple. They're saying, I'm not worshiping this God. I'm just eating the meat. So their strong differences were causing friction in the church. Jewish believers were being kind of pressured against their will to just eat the food, just eat the meat. It's fine. Jesus died for us. Why do you guys make such a big deal about this? So you had the Jewish believers who were feeling pressure. Then you had the Gentiles, the non-Jewish believers, who were feeling condemned by their Jewish brothers and sisters because they ate. And so they were feeling like their, their brothers and sisters who had a restrict diet were making them feel as though they were somehow um, doing the wrong thing by eating this meat. So Paul's main point to begin 
this morning is one, is to accept one another, especially on secondary issues. Okay, now Paul's going to get into some specifics. He says, one man or woman's faith allows them to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. See, that's the, the food uh, problem that they were having. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who, who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Now, um, this part here I wanted to talk about here is that Paul's using food as an example of where we should accept each other. Now, he's probably talking here to the Gentiles first, saying, don't look down on your Jewish brothers and sisters because they are vegetarian, because of their religious views. And then he goes to the Jewish believers and he says, don't condemn your Gentile part of your family um, for what they eat because they feel okay to eat everything. But don't condemn them in saying that they are now somehow separated and sinning against God because they eat this, this meat. He's saying this, he says, because God has accepted him. Now, it could be that Paul's talking to both parties here, but as I read this, I think he's actually talking specifically to the Jewish minority in the church because they were the ones who were condemning their Gentile brothers and sisters saying, what you're doing is wrong eating this meat. So, it's more likely that Paul is telling them, telling the Jewish believers, don't condemn your Gentile brothers and sisters because God has accepted them. Not because of the food they eat, but rather because of the grace and salvation through Jesus. Okay, so the main part is accept one another and food, two and three, uh, verse two and three is the example. Then Paul continues on. He says, who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. Um, the point that Paul's trying to make here is that um, we should stop judging each other. Um, that he gives here this reason for accepting each other, like using a, a servant and a master example. That who are you to say what the servant should be doing? To judge a servant of someone else. Okay? So that's sort of the, the line of reasoning there. Then he gets into more details. He says, One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does that to the Lord. And he says, He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. Whether, um, Paul's point here is that we're all doing our best to obey the Lord. He's saying that everybody, the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers, they were all doing the best they could to follow Jesus. And he says this, he says, no one of us lives to ourselves alone or to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Whether we live or die, our lives are to the Lord. He's saying like our whole life belongs to Jesus but especially this part. He says, and Jesus died for all of us equally. Jesus died for the Gentile believers and the Jewish believers equally, whether they were vegetarian or ate the meat from the market, God had died for, or Jesus had died for all of them to include them into the people of God. So accept one another. Then Paul rounds out his words um, to the Jewish believers. He says, you then, why do you judge your brother? Speaking to the Jewish believers. 
Or why do you look down on your, bro- on your, on your brother? Speaking to the Gentile believers, because they were looking down on the Jews. For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. So, Paul's point is that we will all stand before God, and we don't need to go around condemning each other. In fact, we should be doing just the opposite. Rather than spending time in the church examining each other's lives and saying, you know, you're sinning for that, you know, you're separated from God for that, you're going to hell for that. Rather than doing that, rather than condemning each other, he said that we should actually be building each other up. This is his main point. In fact, because we're all going to stand before God, he's our true judge, let us be building each other up, preparing each other for that moment, encouraging each other to live faithfully, not acting as though we are God, tearing each other down, and um, in a sense, like, in a way, not helping any of us become more faithful. So, Paul has made this, this is sort of like the first part of the argument. He's saying here, accept one another. And then this verse 10 and 13, they actually become the main point of part two. So part one is accept one another. Part two is build each other up. Don't just stop at accepting. Don't just say, well, you have your views and I have mine and we just won't talk about it. He actually says, accept one another and go the next step and build each other up. But first, Paul has to make a quick qualification here. He's going to talk some about himself here. He says, As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. Now this is a big deal for Paul to say this, because Paul is a Jewish man. He was born and raised in a Jewish family. Actually, his given name is not Paul, it's Shaul in, in Hebrew, or Saul in Greek. Um, and he was uh, a Jew of Jews. He described himself as a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was very, very zealous for Judaism. So much so that when, his, when he was younger, he actually persecuted and brought cri- uh, Christians to be put in prison and killed. That Paul was v- a, a huge, <laughs> um, uh, very devoted to Judaism. And so he, too, would have not eaten idol meat. He would have been very careful about the days he celebrated. And yet now he's saying, after his conversion to Christianity, after he began following Jesus, realized that Jesus was the Messiah, he sees now that food, it doesn't matter so much what we eat, that we're not made clean or unclean by the food we eat, just as Jesus taught. So, um, now Paul's going to begin addressing So his point here is no food is inherently unclean. And now he begins to address the Gentiles. He's addressing the Gentiles. So if you remember, the Jewish group were saying, we have to be vegetarian and anybody who eats the meat, you're wrong. Now he's going to start talking to the Gentiles who were saying, because of our faith in Jesus, it doesn't matter what we eat anymore. We can eat this meat and we're fine. So he's going to start talking to them about how to relate to their Christian brothers and sisters, their Jewish brothers and sisters, who had trouble with the food that they ate. So he says this. 
He says, if your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better to not eat, sorry, it's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. Paul's point is that in your freedom, don't cause your brother to stumble. Don't insist on your own freedom at the expense of your brothers or sisters. It's better to give up that freedom for their sake, for the church family. So if we were in the first century and we were wondering, you know, should I be eating idle meat? It's okay to eat the meat that comes from the market. But when you're gathered with your Christian brothers or sisters, especially if they are Jewish brothers and sisters, then yes, you should stop. You should not eat it. You should eat vegetarian with them for their sake. Because if you're eating a big piece of prime rib and it's causing them to stumble, or they're thinking, maybe I should eat it too, but it's going against my conscience. I, you know, oh, I'll just eat it because I want to fit in. And then they feel horrible. And it, then they said, you should not eat it all. So those who felt that they had the freedom to care for their brothers and sisters. Okay. So then Paul says, So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves, but the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats, because he is eating not from faith, but, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. Paul's point is this, just to sum it up. He says, Blessed are you when you live by your convictions, but woe to you when you let others pressure you to go against your conscience. So if you had a conscience, if you were a Gentile believer and you felt fine to eat the food from the market, bless you, good, do that. But if you were a Jewish believer, don't, don't feel pressured to do what the Gentiles are doing, especially if it doesn't feel right to you, then you shouldn't eat it. It's not good for you. So this is, we've been talking mainly about the first century here. This morning, I want to talk about these two parts specifically how they relate to our church right now, about accepting one another and building each other up. Right now, well, actually, I'd say in our culture, for, for I mean, human culture has always had divisions. And here in Canada, for decades, for, since the beginning, there have been different opinions about politics, there have been different opinions about uh, life and how we should live. That's not new. But... We live in an especially trying time right now. These last seven months have been especially difficult. And things that, I mean, everything that was difficult before has become ten times more difficult now. And so everyone feels this tension. Some people feel a tension in terms of being frustrated with the limitations that are put on us. Some people feel tension with the fact that they are afraid that they might get sick or people that they love might die. So all of this adds tension to our life. Not only that, but it seems like in the last few decades that political parties, and I'm, maybe I'm being too uh, conspiracy theorist, I don't know, but it seems like political parties have actually learned that they get more support 
by saying that their way is right and everything else is evil. And so you have political parties that will say that though no longer is it as this, is, this form of government is better, but rather this form of government is good and that form of government is evil. And so what they're trying to do is to, to uh, divide people for the sake of their power, for their gain, putting, pitting us against one another. I see it so often. I see it on social media. I see it in the news of uh, different political parties trying to say that their way is right and everything else is evil. And I see it in our, that working out in our culture around us, people in our society saying that this political view is right and if you don't believe this, then you're an evil person. The trouble is that begins to seep into churches. I even see it sometimes seeping in into our church, this family here. Now, political issues have always been a thing. I mean, that's not new, political differences. But with the pandemic now, with coronavirus, that's added a whole nother layer. You know, people feeling like, like we should still be hugging. Others, people saying like, you should stay six feet away from me. <laughs> Some people feeling like we should be wearing masks and other people saying I should, I should not have to wear a mask. These things are causing division in churches, even in our church here. I was telling the earlier service, I saw it as, I don't know, weeks ago. Um, I saw this interaction where someone came in and wanted to say hello to someone and went to go, like, shake their hand. And the other person um, I think was wearing a mask, but said, whoa, 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 what are you doing? That's too close. And was a bit offended that the person tried to move so close to greet them. Now, the other person felt rejected <laughs> and insulted. And rather than saying, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize, um, good morning, said, well, what are you talking about? I don't have the virus. I'm not sick. And in that moment, both of them had offended each other. <laughs> not accepting each other. And definitely not building each other up. So we see it leaking into our church as well. And as I'm thinking about this text for us, speaking with the first service and also with us here, is that in this time, right now, there is division everywhere. There is division in our society, people on on social media are tearing each other apart politically right now with our election in our, in our province, with the election in the U.S., with the trouble we're having with our own federal government. People are arguing everywhere. Division is at an all-time high. How do we as the church respond? We respond in the church by living as salt and light, living as light in this dark time by accepting one another. That doesn't mean we have to agree with everything. That doesn't mean we have to, to love everything about what we believe or our differences of opinion. That's not at all, but we must accept each other because Jesus has died for everyone in this room. Regardless of what we view politically or about this pandemic or about, I don't know, color of the carpet, whatever, to accept one another. But Paul doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, you know, just, 
you know, know that so-and-so disagrees with me, so I just don't talk to them. I sit on that side, they sit on that side, and we're, you, just, you just don't talk. That's not good enough. <laughs> Paul says, accept one another and build each other up. So let's take this example of mask wearing. If someone in our church wants to wear a mask, we should, one, accept them. Because I have seen it in our church. I know one time someone visited and said to someone into our church, are you wearing a mask? Oh, whew. And they found out they weren't. He said, oh, whew. I thought you were one of those people. And I'm thinking, one of what people? We are all children of God in this place. <laughs> and if someone wants to wear a mask, we as the church should be encouraging them, edifying them, or, um, encouraging them and building them up, saying, bless you. I'll make sure I keep six feet from you. I want to honor you in the choice. Because who knows? Maybe they're wearing that mask because they're terrified. Maybe they're wearing that mask because they think they're supposed to or they should because a health official said they that we should do it in closed space. Or maybe they're doing it because they want to protect someone they care about. Now, we should be accepting one another and building each other up. The same goes the other direction. If people want to wear masks and there's someone here who says, you know, I, I'm not going to. We don't know why they've chosen not to unless we ask them. Maybe because they feel like it's an infringement on their rights. Maybe they feel as though actually masks don't help. Or maybe they actually feel too, I know some people, like it's actually, un, like uh, because of their health conditions, it makes things worse. We don't know why. And so for us to pass judgment on each other is wrong. As I hear this text for us as the church, especially in this time, in this time where the culture around us, where the anxiety is high, frustrations and anger are high, people are tearing each other apart on social media and in the news for us to accept one another and to build each other up. This is what God has called us to do. This is how we respond in a time like this. This is the sort of thing that people from the outside look in and they see Christians, I don't know, I don't know what they all think about God and Jesus, but whatever they've got, I want it. This is what we do to get there, to accept one another and to build each other up. Amen.